to the way they hate And I know better than to listen to the people who are calling us names I can feel the Well, hello everyone. My name's Brian and today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. And this is episode 525 of the Lots Project podcast, where we're defining norms and designing freedom. Today's episode is titled From Fruit to Bean, How Coffee Gets to Your Roaster and is sponsored by Food Forest Farms, who is now sponsoring all our coffee episodes and the weekly email. Be sure to check them out at foodforestfarms.com. Uh, today, I'm going to be giving an overview of how coffee gets from the coffee plant to the roaster. Uh, some uh, fun facts and uh, little uh, little processes that that happen from uh, from the time it gets planted in the ground till the time it gets to that that roaster before it uh, turns into that fantastic coffee just stopped at that green bean. But first, let's grab a cup of coffee, catch up on what's going on with everybody in the live chat and myself, and then we'll dive into that topic in a little bit. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, Hunter, slurping your coffee. I was uh, doing the same as the intro was rolling. Uh, we're a little off this morning, a little off this morning here, uh, about... 10 minutes, I would say. You'd say about 10 minutes. Five off from restaurant. Of course, five off. She was five off. So I kind of take dual and audio cues. I, I get up slightly after her. That's because her alarm goes off and the dogs uh, decide it's time to get up. So old Norman will run in and uh, wake me up. So I get up like that. Uh, and I kind of meander my way through the morning. Corey has her uh, morning routine. She's the, she lets the dogs out in the morning. I let them out before bed. And uh, so as the dogs are going out, I'm making my coffee. Um, and it usually lines up right away, every day, all over, over, over. Um, and then today, well, she comes in, she does some other stuff. And then she sits down and either, uh, and either sits here while I do the show or she starts work. And um, but we all kind of converge here about 10 to 6. Well, today she's messing around. She's doing some things. And I looked down at the clock and it's 5.57. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, so, yeah, we we're about five minutes off of the morning routine. So a little late slurping down that coffee for me. Uh, but what's in the cup? What is in the cup today is Ethiopian light. And it seems uh, extra light. I don't know. I'll have to talk to Brian. Um it seems really, really crisp and bright this week, this month. So I don't know. Got my coffee order yesterday and I am full up. I am full up. I don't know. I might have to go to uh, two presses a day to uh, catch back up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if Corey will like that. Things get a little screwy around here when I when I drink too much coffee, but uh, might have to give it a try to get a little caught up. Morning, Kyle. How are we doing? Backwoods Butcher. And uh, early, Pip is looking for humans, and I don't know if he's going to find them here. But uh, good morning, Pip. How are we doing? Hopefully, you are safe forklifting. Um, Hunter says, so fun fact, I can't really tell the difference in coffee. All right. Well, you're not alone, Hunter. You are definitely not alone. Uh, Brian just did a series of shorts on his YouTube channel uh, about triangles and about um we were talking about how to impress upon someone if you are uh if you're selling coffee to them this was a exercise we were going through i have some uh, some places that i i think might benefit from um might benefit from being able to purchase uh some some wholesale coffee uh some some bulk pack and uh, do some fundraising so i was exploring that option and i was talking to brian who sold coffee for a living for a long time and still does now on a personal level but knows uh, both sides of that of that sales equation and he's telling me about triangle testing and really getting um really getting uh a person that can taste the difference to make the decision. Uh, the person making the decision might not be able to taste the difference. And the easy way to do that is a triangle test. And it's a, it's a blind test, basically. Uh, you're going to have two of one coffee and one of another. You're going to make it all the same, same conditions, same everything. 
and have them. Um, <laughs> it isn't Walter, Kyle. It is. Uh, it's Norman. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but for some reason he had. To, I guess we're five minutes off. We're about five minutes off. He's usually doing it and wrapping up right during the intro. Um, <laughs> but anyway, if you couldn't hear him drinking, he was. Uh, he was. He's still getting a big old drink. Anyway, triangle testing is where it's basically a double blind test uh, where you're setting out three unlabeled cups of, uh, of coffee, one of one kind and two of another. You let the people taste them and then you have them put forward which one they like the best. So, um, yeah, you're going to find out. You're going to find out if they can tell the difference because it doesn't matter if it's two goods and a bad or two bads and a good. Uh, if they put that oddball out, if they put the third one out, um, <laughs> you know they can taste the difference. If you ask them to put the one they like the best out and they put out uh, one that has a has a mimic there, um, but not both of them, um, you're really dialing in whether that person can taste the difference. Um, but Hunter says, my bad coffee is cheaper. Yes, it is. And maybe not. Maybe not. Um, there's a lot of things that come with cheap coffee that aren't the best just besides the taste. I'll leave that at that. We'll do, I'll do, probably end up doing a whole episode on uh, the differences between, between uh, higher end coffee. And, and there's, there's lots of benefits other than just the taste. I touched on it um, in the the drum roasting versus air roasting a little bit, but uh, there are definitely health differences. There's uh, chemistry differences and all sorts of things. So mm, it, it might be taste, it might be other things, but I really enjoy the taste. But there are definitely uh, there are definitely a smaller amount of people that can taste that difference. And I was. Yeah, Kyle was talking about the squeaker uh, toy. Yeah, that's Clyde. I don't know what's going on in this place this morning. Um, I have it on my list, actually, that the weather's getting cooler, the nicer, the days are getting nicer. And I think the dogs are just not exhausted from being hot anymore. I mean, I, I try to I try to feel for them. They are uh, they're wearing super thick fur coats they're meant to be up in the snow in the mountains and we had them down here in super humid 90 plus degrees for months and uh, i get it i get it um brcc oh black rifle company uh black rifle coffee company entered into a blind coffee contest in portland or something and won two out of the three awards and people called the judges racist interesting interesting yeah um if it was blind and there was no label on the cup i don't see how that um how that could be anything other than just going on taste but yeah it is what it is it is what it is um, that was one thing on my list was it's, uh, it's getting nicer here. The days, uh, the days, the last couple of days have been absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yesterday I just, uh, I was outside doing something and I literally just sat down cause I, I, um, I was like, man, it, it's really nice. I'm just going to take a minute and sit out here. I sat on our bench. Uh, we bought a nice folding, um, PVC, like plastic, just, uh, like a plastic picnic table, folding picnic table. We found a bench made of the same material and folds up the same and I picked it up. And I absolutely love the thing. Uh, Corey and I've sat outside a couple times on it. I use it when I'm outside doing shit. Um, but uh, yeah, it's nice. And I was just walking by it and I was like, holy crap, it's really, really nice out. And I don't normally just notice the weather and sit down <laughs> and sit down for a few minutes, but it's, um, but it was really nice. I just sat down. Kyle said it's getting dark there early. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting dark early here too. That that means it's coming. That means it's coming for you more than uh, you more than anybody up in the up in the north. I am uh, glad I escaped down here. We're gonna see what it's like in this region for winter. And the nice part about our situation is, if it gets bad, if we look and we're like, yes, screw this, uh, we can pack up and roll out. <laughs> as long as the roads don't have ice on them or uh, are snow covered or things like that. 
uh, we can we can just go somewhere else, which is really cool. But we're hoping to um, we're hoping to roll through the winter um, here and see what it's like and see what it's like for sure. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing I had on my list for uh, coffee chat this morning, I had uh, uh, Corby Mitlide on last night. If you missed it, lots to talk about. Uh, we were exploring the spirit world. Uh, Corby is a trained medium, um, spirit world guide. Uh, she's been doing it for a long, long time. She she came on and she kind of laid it out there. Uh, basically, gave a, a groundwork of what um, what she does, what the scene is like. She she called out she called out um, all the newbies and uh, the scammers and things like that. Really, really. Uh, dove in and and explained it i had never really explored the psychic world um the the medium world tarot things of that nature uh i hadn't really explored it that much and so i was just curious i was just asking questions about things and uh, i learned a lot i learned a lot and i think i learned enough to pique my interest to kind of um have it on the side burner maybe have one of my internet browsers in my phone open and uh, be reading into that a little bit but I also saw a lot of similarities to a lot of the things I've been um, diving into as far as spirituality and frequencies and and things like that. So it's interesting. It's, it's It was an interesting conversation. I, I highly suggest you check it out. That's lots to talk about. Uh, interview only feed, or you can find it on this uh, on this podcast feed. It was episode two, 524, uh, Exploring the Spirit World with Corby mitlide she is um yeah it was last night's episode so it should be right there in your feed if you um <laughs> uh, MS, msu rifle says she was funny uh if nothing else yes yes <laughs> and kyle wants me to become a psychic <laughs> what do you think Corey? should i become a psychic <laughs> she said she said anybody can do it you don't have to be special or have any special skills to do it you just have to uh you have to follow the process i guess if you were watching the the show last night i maybe i can become one of those purple raccoons that she was talking about <laughs> if you didn't watch last night and you're wondering what purple raccoons are definitely listen to the episode and um and you will find out for sure for sure. And she was funny. She uh, she did some stand-up comedy for a while. She's She's been in the game for a long time. I, I think I clicked a lot with her. She was, um, she's from New Jersey, New York City area. And uh, she reminded me of, of uh, quite a few of my friends' mothers that I knew uh, from that area. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, old things, old, uh, old habits you, uh, you run into again. Um, <laughs> Back with Butcher says, I'm going to show up to SRF with a turban and crystal earrings. <laughs> and MSU Rifle says, as long as you know when mother-in-law's about to call, you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was definitely entertaining for sure. I uh, I think her books are cool. If you're into, if you've been borderline, you're thinking about going to see a psychic or um, or going to a psychic convention, things like that, and you really want some tips and tricks not to get uh, scammed or make the most of your psychic interaction, uh, she does. She's got some books. She's got books for people looking to go to a psychic. She's got uh, books for people just getting into reading and uh, trying to make some money off it. They've made that decision to uh, flip the switch and turn it into uh, uh, income generator. And so she's got books and tips and warnings on that. Those are in the listed in the video notes and the audio notes for the episode and also in the blog post at thelotsproject.com. So I... Um... <laughs> There's an eighty percent chance it's already raining. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, weather, weather, uh, weathermen can't be far off of uh, off of psychics. Probably, I would probably trust a psychic more than the weatherman. So, especially after you learn what those numbers actually mean, dive down that rabbit hole someday, guys. When you look at your weather forecast and you see it's forty percent chance of rain, look that up. See what that means. You'll feel like you've been lied to your whole life. 
Anyway, it's quarter after. Let's get into some uh, some coffee subject. I'm going to be talking about uh, the very beginning of the voyage of that coffee bean. Uh, but first, I want to uh, thank our sponsor. Uh, first paid, actually paid sponsor. A lot of every day I try to bring you items or companies that I'm affiliated with. I uh, I use them. I use all of them or I wouldn't uh, recommend them. But um, using uh, products and recommending them at the beginning of the episode. That's it's it's what I, I thought. That's a way we make a little extra and it's a way we get supported around here. Uh, Brian at Food Forest Farms was kind enough to reach out and we we struck a deal for a paid sponsorship. So that's really awesome. Uh, I talked to him about uh, what I could provide for him and uh, is and my listener stats and things I am willing to do. And I uh, thank him very much for being our first paid paid sponsors. So anyway, here we go at Food Forest Farms. The extraordinary is the norm. The fuel They fuel their mission with a diverse offerings from hand-roasted specialty coffees that'll bring you joy in your mornings to stunning jewelry and metal art pieces that'll add flair to your style. But that's not all. They also provide unique camping experiences through Hip Camp and an Airbnb that is perfect for adventure seekers. So whether you're a coffee enthusiast or a fan of unique crafts or an adventurer at heart, Food Forest Farms has something special for you. Ready to embark on your extraordinary journey? Head over to foodforestfarms.com to explore more. Don't forget to sign up for their newsletter to stay in the loop about their latest offerings, initiatives, and enjoy the adventure. And I highly recommend talking to Brian or myself about the C4 Club. It's it's an unbelievable deal, guys. And that's all I have to say about that. Send me a message uh, anywhere or get a hold of Scramblin or Brian Norton. That's what he's known as. Um, well, Scramblin, get a hold of him and talk to him about C4. All right. Um, yeah, it was weird that Brian uh, Brian wanted to pick the coffee um, the coffee the coffee episodes <laughs> the coffee episodes. Excuse me, coffee episodes. Um, <coughs> so today, today uh, for the general coffee topic, I wanted to go back to the beginning. So. We, I talked about just a general flyover of the uh, of coffee in episode the first coffee episode. The second one we talked about air roasting versus drum roasting, and um, then I wanted to go back to the beginning, and I kind of wanted to. I realized, I realized that um, <laughs> Backwood says he just wants to smoke with the owner of Food Forest Farms. um i wanted to go back to the beginning do you guys know where coffee comes from do you think it uh grows in the ground does it grow um in fields of in fields like wheat and soybeans and things like that i mean they're coffee beans uh they grow like beans right maybe green beans pole beans bush beans who the hell knows but anyway anyway um they grow on plants it's a it's a coffee plant is what it's technically called but i look at it and um seeing the status of it being an evergreen an evergreen woody stemmed plant i would have to consider it a tree um looking into it it looks like in the wild the coffee plant can grow to uh, 10 meters uh, just over 30 feet tall um over 30 feet tall in the wild. So I would consider that a tree, not a plant. Just just what I like to call it. But yes, I've always heard the term of a coffee tree. Um, in the in the plantation setting, they do not get to be 30 feet tall. Don't, uh, don't get that wrong. Don't mishear that. Um, coffee trees are usually kept to about five to seven feet tall. Uh, but in the wild, yes, they can get up to 30 feet tall. It'd be tough to work, I think, with a 30-foot tall, um, a 30-foot tall coffee tree. Anyway, here we go. Here we go. So the coffee tree, the coffee plant, usually takes about three to five years of growth before it'll start flowering. Uh, flowering, if you know anything about about biology or plants or things like that. You're going to know that to get the fruit, 
which is where we're going to end up getting our coffee bean. We're going to get a coffee cherry first. Um, you need a fruit or excuse me, a flower to get a fruit. So three to five years into the growth of the coffee plant, um, it'll start to flower. Uh, small, little white flowers. Uh, people say they're similar to a jasmine smell. Uh, very similar. And they, they'll, they'll come out on the, the branches where the, the stem and the, the leaves meet on the branch. They pop out a little white flower. Uh, the flower gets pollinated. It gets, um, you know, the whole, the whole plant sex thing. And uh, then it'll start producing little coffee cherries. Six weeks or so after the flowers are pollinated, little coffee cherries. They grow out their little green cherries. They, they ripen. As they ripen, they'll eventually turn red, orange, yellow, pink. It all depends on the coffee variety. It depends on the growing conditions, the soil, everything kind of factors into it. But the people on these farms know exactly what they're looking for on these trees. So um, like I said, on the plantations, they will, uh, they'll keep these trees like five to seven foot tall just for uh, harvesting, for working conditions, uh, just like any orchard or um, any orchard or grove, orange grove, they always kind of keep the trees trimmed to an appropriate height for the workers. So as, um, <laughs> oh, actually, uh, Hunter says bees, bees actually love coffee trees. They love the nectar in the flowers on the coffee tree. And um, They also get caffeine out of it, from what I understand. I, I read that a couple of different places. I did not read it in all places, so don't take that for fact. But, man, that's pretty cool if the bees can get... Um, oh, Jesus, I can't even say it. I wrote it down. I thought it was going to be funny. And then as I started to read it, I can't. But those bees can actually catch a buzz off the tree. Ah, oh, right. All right. <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> anyway, so they trim these trees to five. They keep them keep them pruned to five to seven feet. Uh, they take care of them. These plants can live between thirty to forty years, and uh, some of them can live be over eighty. But thirty to forty years is that that uh, that age range that, that that's been thrown out there that I've seen. Um, and they are going to be taken care of at these. Um, at these places, some of the reasons other than harvest ease for keeping them short is it helps to it helps to avoid direct sunlight to the plants, which which can be uh, it can negatively impact the growth. Um, so keeping them short, bushy, stocky will uh, will help helps them with their growing conditions. Um, a few facts about. Um, about the coffee plant before we move on to what happens is the plant, just like the flavor of the bean, like I talked about in earlier episode, is, is drastically affected by the climate of the area, the elevation of the, the coffee farm, the soil type, the seed variety, the weather conditions during the season that it's growing. Um, they can all affect both the production rate of the of the the tree and the the taste and quality of the bean that ends up coming from it so that's very important I, growers will keep an eye on that uh, you're looking for very specific things that also helps uh buyers when they're looking at farms that they can look at the soil the soils don't change um i mean they can if you work on them but uh, a so uh, a coffee farm is going to have a specific elevation, a specific soil type, a specific bean type, and and roasters or people buying the end product, the end product coming from the 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 coffee plantation, not the end product coming from the roaster, but buying those green beans can can source beans that they're they're interested in getting by those characteristics. They can keep an eye on that. They can really uh, hone their craft that way. Um, as far as, um, um, let me see. So the average time from 
a coffee plant being the flower blossoming. So from the time the flowers come on to the coffee tree to the time that the beans or the, the cherries, excuse me, get harvest about nine months. Uh, so that's a nine month cycle. So if we, if I look back up here and it's about six weeks after six weeks after the flower that the cherries appear, that would be another, what is that? Seven and a half months until the, the cherries ripen. So from the time that the cherries pop out till the time they ripen, it's about seven and a half months. So here we go. We have this five to seven foot coffee tree. Um, we have, uh, <laughs> they have, uh, they have their, the ripe cherries on them. We would say we've been, we flowered and we're nine months in the future and it's time to do something with these trees. Uh, what do you do? You cut it, cut the plant down, you take the whole tree, strip it and, uh, and, and start again. I don't think so that, um, that would probably be, uh, very counterproductive seeing they take three to five years to start producing. Anyway, um, you're going to have two main methods of, excuse me, two main methods of, of picking these beans, actually three, um, one is going to be hand picking and there's two varieties of the way they hand pick beans and it really, or cherries, man, I'm sorry, cherries, <coughs> the hand pickers that are going to pick the cherries, um, have a couple different methods. Some of the bigger farms, some of the, the lower end, um, get it done, mass produced, trying to get it uh, done all at once will pick a um, an average time where the, uh, the majority of the cherries are going to be ripe. They're going to go through and what they're going to do is strip pick the whole everything. They're going to go through, they're going to pick all the all the cherries off the trees, whether they're ripe, whether they're underripe, whether they're overripe, they all just get stripped picked, stripped clean off the tree. Um, that in a minute, I'll tell you why that's maybe not the best idea. But uh, it is what it is when you're doing bulk like that. The other way that things get strip picked and it sounds like it's uh, it's taking hold on the biggest manufacturers or the biggest growers in Brazil is machine strip picking, uh, machine harvest instead of hand picking. Hand picking has always been the traditional way to do it. And the third way and the best way, the most expensive way, if you think about it, is selective picking. Uh, basically the picker will go through and select only the ripe beans or the ripe cherries. I am going to say beans all day. Uh, the ripe cherries on the tree, they're going to look, they're going to be selective. They're going to harvest over the whole growing cycle. Um, when those beans are at optimum ripeness to, um, to pick them up, to pick them up to pick them, to get them in, in the basket. Um, <coughs> excuse me, man. Sorry guys. I, I, I think, I think I, uh, I think I've settled on allergies actually, and I'm, I'm getting better. I feel so a couple more days, a couple more days of the, the coughing and things of that, things like that. So we have, we have strip picking by hand. We have strip picking by machine. I don't know. I didn't see anywhere where it was talking about selective picking by machine, but with automation and the way things progress, I don't see that that being a, um, I don't see that that is far off. Um, I don't know. It's not, it's not something that I would ever get into, but um, I, I, so um, we're picking the beans. The average worker hand picking beans is going to pick anywhere from where was it? A uh, hundred to 200 pounds of coffee cherries a day. That's what your average, your average coffee bean picker is going to pick. Uh, what does that equal out to in, in coffee beans in the end, that's going to end up being 20 to 40 pounds of coffee. So we got to think that we have, 5x the mass when it comes to 
a coffee cherry. So when we're picking picking the cherry, we're going to get 20% back in uh, in the end result, in the end bean. Um, let's, uh, let's swing a little bit about coffee picking about the the way it's it's quantified uh i just said that they pick an average of 100 to 200 pounds um they're 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 usually compensated by volume so they're filling baskets um in <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> mm. sorry sorry i have this tickle in my throat it's unreal um in costa rica in Costa Rica, the, the unit of volume that coffee pickers are compensated by is called a canasta. Uh, just a, a random, weird volumetric amount that's, that goes back centuries. It's, uh, it's just one of those things that they came up with, that this, this amount of coffee cherries is a, is a canasta. Um, that is how they're compensated. Now, one of the one of the things about that on these these higher end farms, on these these farms that are picking very specially high end coffee, or even even just trying to make it taste the best, is that your pickers are getting picked by volume or paid by volume. Excuse me. So if I'm out there and my mentality is I'm going to get paid every time I fill this basket up. I'm picking everything I can as fast as I can throw them in the basket. Um, that is the way to maximize your income. When underripe beans or, or cherries and overripe cherries get into the mix, it can spoil the flavor of coffee really fast, really fast. Like one bean or one cherry per pound is enough to alter the taste. So either the, the workers have to restrain themselves from picking the non-ripe beans or, or cherries. Man, I cannot get away from that bean. Everybody calls them coffee beans. Excuse me. How often do you say coffee cherries? I don't know. I should probably said it a hundred times today already, but I just can't uh, get myself to do it. Uh, so either the picker has to restrain themselves and only get paid for picking the ripe cherries and avoiding the under overripe or the the field boss the 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 picking crew leader needs to be a dick and say no and sort those before they're getting paid so bring your basket back i say hey 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 um look at all these these underripe beans toss them out only get paid for the actual ripe beans so it's it's this uh, it's this balancing act between getting compensated for your time and and putting out quality product. So that's a little bit about picking. Once you um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, I don't know, I don't know. It's uh, the internet's been uh, been swampy this morning. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe my phone was sitting in the wrong spot. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so we got uh, we got all these coffee cherries in the basket. We've got them off the tree. They're ripe. We've avoided any uh, underripe or overripe in the batch so that it doesn't um, it doesn't spoil the 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 batch of uh, awesome coffee. And uh, so, what are we going to do now? Uh, we're going to run these. Actually, we're going to float them. We can float them. Uh, underripe and overripe will sink to the bottom. Excuse me. Do the float. Sorry, I have my notes here. And it was backwards of what I thought when I um, when I looked it up. And I don't think I ended up putting it in here. Excuse me, guys. But uh, we you're going to float uh, the coffee beans. I believe the bad ones float. The underripe or overripe float and the and the the good beans sink to the bottom. And I was pretty sure going into it, I thought the opposite, which has uh, thrown me off a little bit. But basically, you float them. They're going to separate regardless. Either one's going to float, one's going to uh, drop, and uh, we're going to take the ones we want. We're going to take them now. We're going to run them through a, um, a, a, a de uh, depulping machine. 
basically running the cherries through gentle rollers. So there's rollers, the beans roll through them, and it kind of cracks that casing. It cracks the, the outside of the cherry. Um, and and is it starts the process of being able to get to the bean, which when we say bean, it's more a seed. It is. It's the seed of the coffee cherry that we're after. So if you're picturing uh, a cherry that you've seen it from the store, uh, fruit cherry you're going to eat, think of that skin and then the the um, the pulpy, slimy, wet stuff on the on the inside. Um, mucilage, what it's called. So basically, you run through this rolling machine that's going to kind of crack the outside of that. At that point, we're going to kind of veer off into two different methods of of milling these of milling these uh, seeds, getting these beans out of the middle, uh, cleaning that skin, mucilage, and things away from that. Um, we're going to have to get it away somehow. There's two main ways that they do that. One is a wet wash, which really, I mean, kind of sounds like what it is. It's a wet wash. They wash that wash that stuff away. They put them in tanks to let them sit. Sometimes they actually ferment the, the beans a little bit. They'll add bacteria to the water that kind of really softens and, um, and makes that mucilage easier to take away from the bean. Um, and then they're, they're clean. They're washed clean. They, they're, it's called wet milling. They mill the, the mucilage away they um, they clean it, try to get to that that center core, to that seed, to the bean in the middle. Uh, another way is called dry milling. Instead of basically saturating it, letting bacteria eat it away, we're going to dry it up. We're going to lay it out on big screens, on these huge patios. We're going to um, kind of run it through a cycle where we're turning it, rolling it keeping it drying. If it's going to rain, if there's going to be uh, condensation, they're going to cover it up. We're trying to keep the moisture from getting into the bean. We're trying to get it out. And as those beans dry up, as that mucilage dries up down to, um, it's, it's going to allow that to break free, come free and mill away to get down to that seed. So we're either going to hydrate it so much that it fall it's easy to fall off or we're going to dry it out and and have it and have it come off and these methods the different methods you use will factor into the taste of the end bean these are other factors that uh, roasters can look at when when determining what green beans they want is how the farm processes how they mill are they wet milling or are they dry milling so add that on top of the type of the type of plant, the type of seed, the type of soil, the weather conditions. All of this goes into a green bean or a green bean purchaser, a roaster who's looking to purchase green coffee beans. It gives them a, a color palette, basically, of what flavors are available in that bean. As you experience that, and as you roast that, you're going to find different um, different flavors come out, different sugars, different uh, complexities, acids. All of this is in this makeup of this of this little seed in the side inside of this plant. And these these roasters are experienced enough, and green bean brokers, um, people in the green coffee bean business, can paint these pictures based on the information they get from the farm. So. Here we are. Now we're going to run this through. We're going to run it through. Um, we have to de-husk it. There's a, a, a parchment around the outside of the bean, of outside the seed. We're going to get that. We're going to, to get that removed. And then it's going to continue to dry. It's got to dry down to approximately 11% moisture is, is the number that I keep seeing pop up. You're going to dry that down. And, um, and there, then it's going to be sorted. There's a, a, poli or a polishing process that could take place um, in there at the end after they're dried, that uh, washed beans will go through a polishing process. And then they're sorted by size, flavor, shape, 
um, a variety of uh, a variety of grading, and then they're bagged up and they're going to be prepped for export. So basically, it's um, it's a harvest process in the end. Man, sorry, the big old fly coming through there. Um, it's a it's it's a it's a pretty straightforward process. So being to being to um, to roaster seed is going to go in the ground, start growing a coffee plant. Coffee plant grows up three to five years later. It's going to be uh, of the size of a small tree, shrub, uh, evergreen, woody stemmed plant, and you're going to uh, you're going to, they're going to keep those trimmed five to seven feet. We are going to um, it's going to produce yellow jasmine smelling like or excuse me white jasmine smelling type flowers after that the 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 coffee cherries are going to begin to appear and ripen on the plant and uh, we went from there we picked those beans pick those cherries my god if i cannot say cherries one more time that would be fantastic anyway we're going to either hand select those select them by machine uh, either strip pick the strip pick the trees to where we're getting all the beans ripe or not that are showing up that are ripe and maximizing the production of that tree. That was another thing that I, I kind of glossed over of uh, doing the selective picking. If you're constantly coming back to the tree and picking the optimal optimal cherries when they're optimally ripe, you're going to get more production out of that tree. You're not taking you're not taking cherries that are underripe. And having to throw them away, you're not taking them after the fact when they are uh, beyond ripe and end up having to throw them away. So it's a it's a really definitely a balancing act on the picking side of what optimal is in in terms of time efficiency. You're paying your pickers um, by volume, so you're really not worrying about that. But uh, trying to get the most ripe beans all at once and get them to the milling process, get them drying out, get them into that green bean bag and on the way to the roaster. So then they sit, they can, uh, they can sit for quite a long time once they're bagged up in green, uh, in green form. Uh, I, I really think as far as Brian has communicated to me, they can really be, um, they can really be stored indefinitely. I would like to say, um, basically you have a dried commodity product. Uh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, yeah, I, I think that kind of wraps up that process. I had a, I had it listed out way longer on my notes and my outline. And I think, uh, I, I think I just burned through this quite, quite quickly. If you've got any questions that I might be able to answer, I think Hunter just dropped one here in the comments. If you have any questions you, you want to see if I can answer, if I know the answer to them, I'd be happy to look at them. Um, Hunter says, so the big question is, I can't, is can I grow coffee in Dallas so I can become an apocalyptic warlord controlling the masses with bean tea? <laughs> um no yes i mean yes and no <laughs> uh is it cost effective to grow coffee in um in dallas probably not i'm guessing you're going to have to have lots of uh lots of that uh you're gonna have uh your climate issues Coffee is mainly grown between the two cancers, uh, Capricorn and uh, Tropic of Capricorn, Tropic of Cancer. Is that it? Between in the coffee belt, in the in the center region near the equator, the 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 line above the equator, line below the equator. Uh, it's grown in that belt all the way around the world. Uh, so you're going to see that in your Central American countries. You're going to see that in Africa in that belt. Uh, and like we talked earlier in the in the series on coffee, you're going to find it at um, in the Philippines and Malaysia and things in in that area. So it's basically a band around the middle of the globe if you're into the globe theory and uh, and not the not the flat Earth. So I don't know how it would work with flat Earth. Hmm. Oh man, they they keep running into roadblocks in every direction, and one of them is 
growing coffee, I guess, because why would it be warmer at the equator if the earth was flat? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't dove much into flat earth theory uh, in a long time. But anyway, we're spiral, spiral, spiraling from coffee to flat earthing. Um, but yes, you can... Um, you can grow coffee anywhere, Hunter, really, if you if you want to make the right climate for it. And um, I just don't think it's uh, I don't think you're going to end up on the financial uh, positive with that. But in an apop apocalyptic situation, man, if um, if the whole equator area of the or of the earth was to be decimated and you had the only coffee plants on the on the planet left and you had them in climate control. I imagine you could probably do a stroke of business. Um, one other thing I missed. So one thing that's becoming popular, I talked about the cherry pulp, the the uh, stuff that's removed to get to that bean in the middle, get to that seed. Um, that's starting to become popular as a tea, which I hadn't seen, I hadn't heard of really. But as I was digging in to the process here um, to get some to get some more detail. I, I've gone through this process many times um, throughout the years when taking coffee classes or reading into it, uh, but I wanted to freshen up for sure. But I was reading that uh, that coffee fruit, coffee cherry pulp tea, and I can't remember if that's the exact name they use for it. Uh, it's got some different names um, that were listed down, but the main name, basically they're taking the dried pulp and making tea out of it. And it, it comes off as more of a sweet, a sweet flavor than, uh, than a coffee, but, uh, it's starting to become popular. Uh, and that's, that's a, um, that was becoming an issue. Uh, the, the discarding of the waste, discarding of the, the cherry waste when they depulp them, when they when they get that uh, when they get that slimy nasty stuff off the beans, they basically were discharging it into waterways. Um, some some um, some some plantations were using it wisely for fertilizer. Uh, others were using the the wet mill process, and um, you have to think of the you have to think of the technology level and the 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 financial level of some of these. The, some of these farms basically have people hand picking into baskets and paying them by the basket um, when they're doing wet washing and they're using a, a river water source it's flowing through and it's discharging right back into that river and this pulp was becoming an issue in the waterways um it, it so it would it would um it would clog up the waterways and it, it became a problem so this is another outlet for that hunter asks if you can you if you can eat the if you can eat the coffee cherry you can and i was uh, i was looking at this it's got a um a, not the best flavor but it is something that um um it is something that growers can can taste the beans. They can tell the ripeness of the coffee. They can tell the quality of the bean coming along as it is growing. Uh, but it doesn't. Uh, it's not. Um, it's much more valuable to to get the seed than the than the cherry. So I think that is probably plays a large role into if why we're not eating coffee cherries, um, but. I do, uh, I do believe that uh, that you can eat them. They are fine to eat, and uh, yeah, yeah. There you go, there you go. I've heard it's a little sweet. Uh, I read that it was a little sweet. That they're they're not horrible, but definitely more lucrative to go for the seed and uh, and get that end product. So, anyway, that's uh, that's about what I have here for uh, that coffee journey. I definitely need to, uh, I'm still dialing in the whole outline uh, amount of information that I need to make it through these shows. So not bad, not bad. I made it, uh, I made it here to 50 minutes. Um, we're going to probably wrap up 
wrap up a little early and get moving along. Uh, tomorrow, let's see, what do I have on the, the docket for tomorrow is Side Hustle Day. Um, side Hustle General Day, uh, I'm going to go back to the homestead and, uh, and a really decent, decent, lucrative, decent money maker. It was pretty lucrative for us. Uh, side Hustle that we had. And I'm going to talk about chickens. And you say, okay, well, chickens, you sell eggs, you sell chicken. Uh, man, we went uh, way further than that, a little uh, more detailed than that. And and the different revenue streams that we were able to come up with and be successful with, with chickens, uh, definitely puts it right in there in that um, in that wheelhouse of side hustle for me. Um, that was our MO on the farm. And I'm going to probably run through a bunch of those over the next few times that the side hustle general topic comes up. Uh, tomorrow, we're starting with chickens. Uh, where we went, where you can go, you can do it with uh, a dozen, you can do it with a whole farm full. Uh, yeah, you'll have to tune in to find out. Um, <coughs> excuse me. So that's going to be tomorrow. Uh, what else do we have coming up this week? And uh, hit that real quick. So you can make sure to set a reminder. We got uh, tomorrow we have Chicken side hustles. The next day we have content creator gear. I'm going to kind of go through the list of things I started up with the, the cheap and quick way to get started. And then the things I've upgraded and picked up along the way. And Friday, we are talking Bitcoin again, cryptocurrency. Friday, we're going to be talking lightning and how it changes everything, the Bitcoin lightning network. So with that, guys, I think uh, I think I'm gonna start wrapping it up here. If there's no more questions in the crowd, I appreciate you watching. If you want to join in in any of these live feed episodes, please join us at YouTube, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Twitch, at 6 a.m. Central Monday through Friday, all those days, and then we also do a interview show on Monday evenings at all those locations at 6 p.m. If you enjoyed this show, please consider sharing it with others. You can find a post about it, about the episode, along with links to all my social media services I offer, recommended products and companies I'm affiliated with at thelotsproject.com. Be sure to listen on one of your favorite podcast 2.0 value for value podcast players like Podverse or Fountain.fm. Make it a great day, guys, and we will catch up with you tomorrow.